Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Andy Anders alongside me as we talk Big Ten football here on the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. Andy, a lot going on in the conference with uh, COVID-19 making its unwelcome appearance already at two Big Ten schools. The next wave is here. Uh, Michigan State and Rutgers both shutting down this week. They'll be quarantining for a couple weeks, um, stopping all football activities. And there was an interesting tweet from a Michigan State player, I believe Mm -hmm. you saw, Bruce. Yeah, we're going to get into that, of course. Uh, We want to make sure that you know that next on Twitch, after our Big Ten show, comes our uh, Big 12 show, and we are very appreciative of you joining us on the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. You can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts. So go to Twitch right now, join us in the chat room, communicate with Andy. He'll share share those uh, thoughts with us throughout the podcast. And please remember to hit the heart button at the top of the page and follow us simply go to landryfootball.com and you can click directly onto the twitch page to listen live or listen to the podcast or read about the game of football from a coach's and scout's perspective chris landry former coach at lsu former coach with the cleveland browns on bill belichick's staff we got a lot more than college football a lot more than nfl from high school to college to the nfl to recruiting nfl draft free agency pre-game to post-game film analysis and all the inside scoop on the players teams coaches and schemes Landry Football and the Landry Football Network is your source for all things football. So we're looking forward to everybody hearing what we have to say about the Big Ten Conference. And I don't know, Andy, we, this is like taking, taking our temperature. Every podcast, 10 o'clock Eastern on Monday and Thursday, we're not taking our temperature to see if we have COVID-19. We're taking our temperature to see if we are optimistic or pessimistic about Big Ten football happening this fall. I'd say it's a little on the pessimistic side today after this recent news. But <laughs> they yes. just amp up, or they're they're not even amped up. They were supposed to get going Friday with walkthroughs, and they did at what twelve of the fourteen schools. Yes, but at Michigan State and at Rutgers, they are shutting her down, locking it up because they had it at MSU. Um, one staffer tested positive, and then they, you know tested everybody, and they had one additional staffer and one player test positive. So they called a halt to everything. Do you expect that to be the standard? Like, is this what we're in for? Like, nobody can test positive? I. It wasn't at Ohio State when they... Uh, Ohio State did pause activities as well recently, for those of you who missed that bit mm-hmm. of news. It didn't last a full two weeks. I'm not sure it even lasted a full week. Uh, it seemed like they were back to voluntary workouts 
I don't think it did last within week. like it yeah. was about five days, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they had they didn't release exact numbers of who tested positive for you know player privacy and all mm-hmm. that. We don't even know if it was a football player. Yeah, we don't even know. We don't know. So, um, but might they, not have been any players. Might have been a might have been a coach. Might have been a coach. Might have been a a manager. Quality control. Yeah. Who's to say? But they were back pretty quick. So I think the standard lies within each program and how seriously they want to take it and what they feel is the necessary precaution for them. Um, it's the two teams that have confirmed have players tested positive in the Big Ten now, Michigan State and Rutgers, quarantined for two weeks. So that could that could be the standard you see followed from here on in. So if I have the calendar right, uh, that means Michigan State can't do anything before August 4th. Uh, that's getting past the date where you would think teams would have to be preparing for a season. Here's the other thing. I don't know the answer to this. Do we have a schedule yet? No. I mean, uh, Chris Spielman and I were talking this morning on our podcast, Spielman and Hooley. He thinks, he assumes that Ohio State's season opener is September the 25th, I think, against Rutgers because that was the first Big Ten game on the old schedule. But the point I made to him was, well, that schedule's only got, what, nine Big Ten, eight Big Ten, nine Big Ten games on it. And they're supposed to be playing ten. So I'm waiting for clarification. When is Ohio State opening? I can't believe they'd wait till September 25th. Can you? They're supposed to go, like Oklahoma's opening, they just moved their opener up, but they're playing non-conference games in the Big 12. I... It's still up in the air at this point. No one really knows, and I think um, you need to clarify that soon, obviously, for planning purposes. But I think the Big Ten wants it. They might. You might see it pushed back to the end of September. I don't think that's out of the question. Um, they're trying to buy time right now to save the season uh, because it it is in jeopardy with all these positive tests, especially with this recent news about Michigan State and Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, so they're doing whatever they can to play, and that might mean pushing it back to the end of September. And I don't think you'll see an actual concrete schedule for at least another few weeks. Well, nobody has more work to do in the Big Ten than Greg Schiano at Rutgers, his second go-round. Um, he's got assorted jackpots to deal with there. The faculty filing a lawsuit for the transfer of $100 million to the athletic department. Look, I don't know if that's factual or not. That's the allegation in the lawsuit. So he's dealing with that. He's got a giant talent disparity to make up with on the field. He's you know, brought in all kinds of transfers from all over the country. And, uh, yeah, he was barely over 500 his first time at Rutgers, which at Rutgers that's the equivalent of being like an 850 winning percentage anywhere else. Now he's got to shut everything down for two weeks. That is nightmare worst-case scenario for Greg Schiano at Rutgers. Well, Michigan State, too, transitioning yeah. with a new yeah, coach. Yeah, it's true. Mel Tucker, right? Turmoil. Yeah. Right. I, both of these, probably the two worst programs to have this happen at. I don't know if I could think of Maryland's got a lot of work Maryland's to do too. I don't know. I think I'd rather be, I think I'd rather be Mel Tucker than Mike Loxley with who I have. Right, but I think Mel Tucker's a better overall coach than Mike Loxley. Yeah, Mike too. Loxley can recruit, <laughs> and I don't know if, you know, yet to be proven whether he can he actually win- get it done win- coaching. I don't think he's had a winning record yet, has he? No, not even close. No. He was out in New Mexico, New Mexico State, and it was really ugly on and off the field. Um, here's what I wonder, Andy. Uh, I have thought all along 
college football is, to me, the least likely level we're going to have football this year. Like at the high school level, you know, there's uh, this kind of emotional tug for a team to play for its community. So much of a small town's identity is, in many places, tied up in high school sports. I don't think uh, high school players feel as comfortable uh, challenging authority as college players do. So that's why I think high school is more likely to play than college. In the NFL, guys are playing for a lot of money. And I know your health is something you can't put a price on. But when you're talking about millions and millions of dollars, and if you really dig into the data and you look at yourself as an elite high-end athlete, probably not going to die from COVID-19, I'm willing to take the risk to play. And their career clock is ticking. If this 2020 is a year they don't play, 2020, that may be a year on their NFL career that has long-term ramifications on length of service in the NFL, pension, all that stuff. But at the college level, you got the idealism, you got the players who have a platform, and I wonder what you think the damage or the impact, maybe not damage, but the impact of something like this is. Jordan Reed, senior right tackle, Michigan State, a multi-year starter Friday after the tests at Michigan State. But he must have known the results, but before the quarantine's announced. Tweets the following. Guys are testing positive across the country left and right. Why is there skill still discussion on a season? Why is it taking so long to make a logical decision? Hmm, let me guess. And then in all caps, revenue, hashtag NCAA, hashtag Big Ten. Well, obviously, I'm not sure all players would hold that opinion either. Is my question. I think I can definitely understand his viewpoint. Uh, Player safety, if guys are just going to keep testing positive for COVID, you know, you've now... Again, seen multiple players across the country. Clemson, LSU, all these mm-hmm. places have had huge swaths of players test positive. Um, from a perspective of a guy, I don't, I don't know his process. He's probably an NFL prospect. But I'll tell you, I would think so. You State. start multiple years at MSU. Certainly for an NFL prospect, too, you're going to see someone more concerned about their health and their safety mm-hmm. when you've got millions of dollars on the line. Um, however, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a large contingent of college football players that still want to play the season and I think people people don't realize it's like less than two percent of division one college football players that actually do make the league Um, and when you make the league your shelf life is three to four years so I think more guys are for a lot of guys this is their last actual go round sure Um, college football is it for them they don't really have an NFL future but um, I digress. As far as what Jordan Reed and his situation goes, tweet makes sense for him. Um, and I'll be interested to see if there's anyone else voicing that opinion across college football. Because obviously athletes have more of a voice now than they have ever with social media. So we're going to hear their thoughts on this. Yeah, and I mean, it's clearly there's a political element to this. Uh, and th- on both sides... So whoever tweets something that supports the viewpoint of one side, that group of people advocating for that position are going to highlight that tweet, highlight that opinion, and use it to demonstrate 
the veracity of what they believe should happen here. Either play, don't play, or lock everybody down, or live life. Polar opposites. There's not a room. There's not a lot of room when you're talking about a contagious disease for compromise in the middle. No. Uh, yeah, you're either on one side or the other. It's either play or, you know, don't play, player safety. I wanted to go back to what you said, though, uh, college football being the um, hardest level to get football out. And from yeah. the player's perspective, I think you're t- dead on there. Um, because like we've talked about, you don't have a significant paycheck coming your way like the NFL uh, for playing. And you're trying. You've got guys trying to get to that level. You don't have any sort of player union or collective right. bargaining. And, and then high school, it's mostly kids that this is the only years of their life they're playing football in front of people that are going to care, a community that's going to care, and they want to get on the field. Mm-hmm. So from a player perspective, yeah, college is probably the toughest level out of the three major ones to have football at. Put from a player's perspective. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think. Colleges have done everything they can do to respect the viewpoint uh, of people who don't want to play. They're, I think they're clearly going to allow your scholarship to continue. You'll, you'll get that year of eligibility back. I can't imagine they would deny somebody a sixth year of eligibility. They already have that built into the system uh, with the, red, the injury red shirt. Um, Look, I mean, you really have to come to some decision as a player. And Josh Myers at Ohio State said, I, I want to play. Wyatt Davis said, I want to play. This kid from Michigan State, he doesn't want to play. He doesn't feel safe. Well, you shouldn't make him play. But um, I just think it's it's unlikely, unrealistic, if it's a contagious disease and if you ramp up activity and you surround yourself with more people at closer proximity to you, the virus is going to spread. It just is. Uh, then you have to make a decision. Uh, am I safe? Am I not safe? I don't know this young man's physical condition. Maybe he's immunocompromised or whatever, and he doesn't feel safe, but fine. Uh, don't play. Nobody should be forced to play. Uh, but I just think that because social media is uh, its not always an accurate reflection of what the large majority thinks, but it's a loud reflection of what people think. And that's a bad look for college if the players are saying, what are you doing? You're putting us in this position because you hit it. They're not paid. And and then, then that's an emotional issue. Everybody thinks they should be paid. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, coming up next on Twitch is the debut of our Big 12 show, In Defense of the Big 12. I thought there was no defense in the Big 12. I, I think that's the point. That's the point of the show, yes. Uh, Tyler McComas and Brad Kellner with uh, the latest news on the Big 12, which we mentioned, of course, is Oklahoma not just uh, – scheduling a non-conference game, but moving it up. They're going to play in August, so maybe we'll have college football in five weeks, Andy. Some of the other shows that you can catch on uh, the Chris Landry Football Channel uh, Twitch channel is ACC Tailgate, uh, the Sports Web, Pro Football Talk, Hard Count Football. we got a Tampa Bay Buccaneers show, Pac-12 show starting this week. Uh, And then starting next week, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Show, Everything Fantasy, Just Recruiting with JR, and Prep Football Friday with Jonah Malkin. Now, speaking of recruiting, you know, Ohio State got off to this, like, super, super start in recruiting, Andy. They got um, seven guys in the top 50 of the uh, 24-7 rankings, 13 to the top 125, and uh, when it came to 
being on top of the recruiting rankings, Ohio State was number one, and then everybody else was Rutgers. Alabama was like not in the top 50 five weeks ago. Sunday, Alabama gets uh, yet another five-star commitment. They're fourth from Damon Payne, 300-pound defensive tackle. He also plays offensive tackle, but he's projected as a defensive tackle in college, and he's going to Bama. Bama's continuing to make a comeback. I don't know if they're going to overtake Ohio State. I would say it's kind of unlikely, but, man, Bama is, they're working it. It's incredible to me. Again, the last few years, it seems like recruiting has moved earlier and earlier and earlier. Mm -hmm. You see more juniors committing nowadays. Obviously, with early signing day, like 95% of prospects now sign in December, whereas all of them signed in February, and so you had to recruit all year until it, and it had kind of a later cycle. People can take officials in the spring now. Um, So the recruiting cycle continues to move earlier and earlier and earlier, and yet that doesn't seem to affect reflect in Alabama's recruiting strategy. They're still getting commits on the old timeline, it seems, but Mm -hmm. slightly newer because they still get them before December, before early signing day. And ever since this recruiting cycle's been moving up, it always seems like Alabama starts, like they're low for a while in the recruiting rankings, and then they just have an explosion of recruits. And this is, I mean, among the biggest explosions you've ever seen in uh, the recruiting landscape. They've just shot up the rankings lately. Um, actually starting to challenge Ohio State now for that number one class. Uh, Damon Payne out of Michigan, of course, number one D-tackle in the country, although you could argue JT Tuimolau is a defensive tackle. He kind of projects. He's ranked as a defensive end, but he could play D-tackle in college. Um, A guy Ohio State was trying to get in on for a little bit, but didn't really feel out. Actually didn't have Michigan in his top five. Yeah, that's where I was going next was, you know, I look at it, I, I figure, all right, Bama, no disgrace losing a kid from Michigan to Bama. If Bama calls, you got to listen. But when you look at his final five and it's Arizona State, Michigan State, Kentucky, USC, Bama, I'm like, well, is it, are you better off if you're Jim Harbaugh finishing second on a kid or are you better off not being in the consideration, I can make a case for both. If you don't, you don't get him. You don't get him. You know, you can finish second. You can finish a hundredth. Doesn't matter. But optically, when you got the number one defensive tackle in the country from your state, and you're not in his top five, and your in-state rival is, that to me is a bad look. Especially when that in-state rival is not in a good place as a program right now. No, it's certainly a bad look optically. You almost wonder, and no, I have no insider info on this whatsoever, but um, if it's like a Micah Parsons situation, I don't know if you followed that recruitment. Oh, yeah, that was the Ohio State-Penn State. State. Yeah, Ohio State-Penn State, and Ohio State was considered his leader until they had a recruiting violation that was uh, unreported, and they had until after the cycle, Mm -hmm. and they had to stop recruiting him. It's almost like, you know, it's almost bewildering why Michigan wasn't in this person's top five. Um, again, no, I have no insider source or anything to speculate on there. It's just that curious, you know. It is curious. Um, they also, Michigan isn't considered the leader, like the clear-cut leader for the number three player in the state. They're battling Notre Dame mainly for Rocco Spindler. Ohio State's also in that recruitment mm-hmm. a little bit. Um so, and they lost the number five player in the state already to LSU as well. 
So kind of losing some bigger names from what is a pretty deep Michigan class in this cycle. Um, and when Jim Harbaugh, the next step for that program, if they're going to start competing with Ohio State, if they're ever going to overcome that hurdle, it's going to have to come from the recruiting trail. And he's, they're still getting borderline top 10 classes, which is enough to be with the rest of the Big Ten, but it's not Ohio State's. I just never, I never envisioned this scenario. I thought Jim Harbaugh would be engaging Ohio State on some of the same players, some of the best players in Ohio. In fact, I thought the battle would really be waged when Harbaugh got somebody Ohio State wanted. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of those guys. To a slight extent, yeah. I mean, Urban gushes about Donovan Peoples-Jones, but I'm never sure if Urban gushes about Donovan Peoples-Jones because it's a way of to Harbaugh because DPJ was he certainly wasn't what people thought he would be at Michigan. Urban's pretty crafty about who he gushes about. Yeah. All right. A uh, few good men on the Big Ten is this podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, anywhere you find podcasts. And remember, we're on Twitch Mondays and Thursdays, 10 a.m. Make sure you bookmark the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. And go to Twitch if you're not there uh, right now. Join us in the chat room. Communicate with Andy. We'll uh, discuss your questions. Also, hit the heart button at the top of the page and follow us. Uh, you can go and Chris Landry Football or LandryFootball.com and click on the podcast at any time. You can also find a link to our Twitch channel there. We got you covered from high school to NFL to fantasy, every conference covered. Uh, we got it all going on, Landry Football. No reason why that shouldn't be your hometown landing spot for all things football. We didn't have spring football. And when we didn't have spring football, we didn't have spring football position battles. Uh we have what appears to be a deep quarterback class in the Big Ten, but we have some schools that will presumably reconvene in the fall with, I think, uh, in the case of Wisconsin, Jack Cohn, the incumbent, not having to face nearly as serious a challenge from redshirt freshman Graham Mers as he would have faced in the spring. And at Michigan, we presume... Dylan McCaffrey is going to be the guy, uh, but uh, I'm blanking on a first name. It's Milton, right? Yeah, Joe Milton. Uh, Joe Milton, I think, could have had a better shot at making a run at him in the spring had they been able to practice in the spring. Yeah, that's. I mean, that'll be the most interesting quarterback battle to watch. Obviously, now the second year of the Gaddis offense, you need to take that next step in the offensive evolution. Year two is always the test for a new offense, and you're going to have to do it with a new quarterback now. Shea Patterson came up in a spread at Ole Miss, and it was really suited to his talents. I think McCaffrey, obviously relative of the great Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey, uh, former Heisman Trophy candidate mm-hmm. out of Stanford, um, is the clear-cut favorite for that, and I think he's got the skill set. Uh, not an incredibly mobile quarterback, but can certainly move a little bit. I uh, can spread the ball out, smart, in-the-pocket passer as well. Um, he seems to be the favorite for this battle. But Milton um, is kind of that X factor, and I I wouldn't give him... Big arm, really big arm. Really big arm. I'd say a little more probably mobile out of the two. Um, I'm, I'll be curious to see how that battle shakes out. And for Michigan, you hope that they at least push each other so that the winner 
of said battle is better th- off than he was if it if the job was just his easily. Well, I mean, McCaffrey's very mobile, but I can't get the picture out of my mind of him taking that hard shot in a Wisconsin game last year. He doesn't look to me like the kind of a guy who can carry the ball and take contact. Now, you can run RPO stuff and not take a lot of contact. Shea Patterson didn't take a ton of contact, and he had some effective runs. Um, but I, 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 that's just my image of Dylan McCaffrey laying prone on the turf at Camp Randall Stadium. That was a beat down from the first second to the final second. Uh, I wonder whether uh, Cade McNamara, redshirt, he's built to carry the ball, 6'1", 245, but didn't see any game action because he obviously redshirted. Uh, Josh Gaddis says he's in the mix, but when you're talking about a quarterback battle uh, on a Zoom call in May, just to keep a guy interested, you're going to say he's in the battle even if he's not. Yeah, I you have to. That's what they did with Ohio State did that last year with Justin Fields and Chris Chuganov. I mean, everyone knew Chris Chuganov wasn't actually giving Justin Fields a run at the starting position in the fall camp, but. As a coach, you always got to keep a guy motivated. Uh, not necessarily looking over his shoulder. You would eventually want to give the off, give him the keys mm-hmm. to the offense. But you got to keep a guy motivated. That's how you do it. All right. Again, the Big 12 show comes up next here on Twitch. I wanted to ask you, uh, do you think the Big 10 had... How many guys did you say they had on the Maxwell Award watch list? 15. 15 guys? Um, okay, so if I got 15 guys on the Maxwell Award list and Ohio State is considered to be a lock playoff team, I'm thinking Ohio State would have uh, three, four guys One. on the Mac. One? Yes. Justin Fields is it. No Chris Olave? No Chris Olave. Uh, no uh, Sean Wade? No Sean Wade. It'd be tough for a quarterback to win the Maxwell Award. No, they've got other corners on here. Though. They do, but not Sean Wade. Not Sean Wade. Big Ten corners? No. Okay. Uh, who else do we have from the Big Ten? Who am I undervaluing? Actually, no. There are no corners. It's all offensive okay. players. I take that back. Indiana? <laughs> Indiana, you Indiana said it has two. Two. Indiana has more than Ohio State. Um, apparently, the Maxwell Award watch list people think Wap Fillier has a better chance of winning the award than Chris Olave does. Wap Wap. Wap Fillier. Wap Fillier, wide receiver, flanker, nice Great player. Name. Great name, Wap, good player. He's got the name. But not uh, not Chris, a better shot than Chris Olave? Not a better shot I wouldn't Chris think Olave. so. No. Not that I think Olave is going to win the Maxwell Award. Nico um, Collins on that list? Nico Collins is on that Michigan's list. Michigan's Nico Collins is on that list. Chris Olave is not on the list. Stevie Scott from Indiana as well. Stevie Scott, nice running back. Yeah. Penn State have anybody on that list? They have a line, Micah Parsons. Man, I keep going back and forth seeing defensive players here. Micah Parsons is okay, one, I, of, I can buy that. one of two defensive players on the list of 90. So Any Penn State offensive players? Sean Clifford? Journey Brown. Journey Brown, the tailback's on the list. All right. Well, I don't think at this time last year Justin Fields was on the list. Do you consider it, Andy, when you're sitting around – you're preparing for the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. You get a notification on your phone that so-and-so's been named to the so-and-so list. Remington Award list, Boletnikoff Award list, Maxwell Award list, whatever list. Do you consider that to be, like, breaking news? No. Watch lists, they don't have, I mean, they're nice content, you know. I'm writing for The Lantern last year. I was writing for uh, Rivals a couple years ago. 
those watch lists provide uh, pretty good content, filler content in a pretty honestly content dry spell of the off season right now. You don't have a lot to talk about when it comes to these things. This is true. Um, in a pre-COVID world, anyway. You didn't have a lot to talk about, so you know, oh, these players are on this watch list. But when you see, you know, they think Wap Fillier has a better chance of winning the Maxwell than Chris Olave does. And even the fact that they would release a 90-name list, <laughs> I mean, probably 10, 12 guys actually have a shot at the award. Yeah, you could throw a blanket over the guys who have a shot to win that award. Yes, yeah, so it's think. just not, there's not 90 of them. Yeah. Um, I'd put, who has a better chance of winning that? Wap Fillier? Uh, Journey Brown, Nico Collins, or say, I bet a guy who's not on there, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, who's going to be the Sooners quarterback. Probably Rattler. I would say Spencer Rattler has a better chance. Between those four. Teams. Between those four. All right, now it's time to hear from the Colonel. You can't handle the truth. Ah, you can't handle the truth. This is that time of the show where we make you digest an uncomfortable truth. Andy Anders, what is your you can't handle the truth moment? today an oldie but a goodie i don't think Rutgers should have ever been a part of the big 10 oh. i again i just mentioned it i covered uh i covered ohio state for the lantern last year ohio which is ohio state student newspaper student run newspaper i was once i was the assistant sports editor and as the assistant sports editor i was in the loop for all the big 10 sports all the big 10 sports not just football and basketball. We mm-hmm. know Rutgers sucks at those two. Well, basketball, they were actually pretty good. They were solid last yeah. year. They were out good. of nowhere. They were good for Rutgers, at least. <laughs> They'd have been in the tournament, I think. Yeah, I think so. But I, like making the tournament once in a blue moon isn't Big Ten caliber to me. Oh, don't tell that to Northwestern. They're still <laughs> making uh, T-shirts North- off their birth a few years ago. Northwestern's traditional. At least they've made the Rose Bowl, you know, yeah. on one or two occasions. One occasion that I remember. One occasion in the 90s. So Keyshawn Johnson got a hold of him. <laughs> but um, as when I, in that job, you find out that Rutgers really is bad at almost every sport um, historically. Other than wrestling, they have a little bit of pr- tradition in, but not like Ohio, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio mm-hmm. State, or Nebraska have. In By the sport. way, I think wrestling, you know, the Big Ten always says, oh, we're the best league, we got the best teams, and there's always this unending argument Big Ten football versus SEC football if the Big Ten really wants to make uh, a brag about what sport it has that's better than anybody else wrestling it's wrestling I mean it's not close no like, there's like six teams in the top 10 are Big Ten teams they they have they usually have recent years they've had three in the top four yeah a lot crazy Ohio State Penn State Iowa um but Rutgers obviously was brought in for the New York and New Jersey television markets um, that's the main reason they were in brought into the conference, I believe, was mm-hmm. for the revenues. No doubt. And not for the actual on-field competition. They've served as nothing but cannon fodder in football thus mm-hmm. far for the bigger powers. And I don't see them getting anywhere, even if you were to hire, even if Greg Shiano is the perfect fit for that program, that program doesn't have the potential to be more than an eight-win program consistently. And when that is your ceiling, I don't think that's a team you look at and say, huh, here's a team that's never been in the Big Ten. It doesn't make sense from a geographical perspective. Um, Wouldn't Syracuse have been a much better fit? Yeah, better. I mean, you want New York? You want the, the New York market? I would think there'd be, you know, some interest if Syracuse were in that. Right, but of course Syracuse has been with the ACC for quite some time. Yeah, but I just, Rutgers, man, I mean, that's, 
Yeah. To me, that's just an abysmal fail. Um, if Urban Meyer were to come out of coaching and say, you know, I know I've won national championships at Florida and Ohio State, but for those of you who don't think I'm a better coach than Paul Bear Bryant or Nick Saban, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to go and make Rutgers a top-five program. Could Urban Meyer make Rutgers a top-five program? Well, I don't think they have the infrastructure or the built-in booster base even. No. Um, be a challenge. Urban would, like, heal ah, over if he had that stress they have in his some, life. They have some recruiting in the area. They got players. New, New Jersey. They got players. New Jersey produces some good football talent. Um, but it... it it's just not. I don't think anyone could take that program and make it a, a, a contender. I don't think so either. Um, because can you envision Greg Ciano? Now, he gets, and he should, he gets a lot of run off their, they had a 10 win season in the Big East. But even with that team, even with Ray Rice on that team, I remember their big national televised game went over Louisville and storm in the field. And it was, it's the pinnacle of Greg Ciano's time at Rutgers. And, you know, well deserved. Celebrate. In the Big Ten East, you got to play Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State every year. Four L's. You start the year. Every year, you start the year. Best we can do, boys, eight and four. Right? Right. You have a perfect season by your standards of you lose to those four teams who everyone expects you to lose to, their powers that you could never contend with from a money perspective in that booster funding, you know, in that facility war that happens in college football. Um, you chalk those four up as an L, you have a perfect season. It's eight and four at Rutgers. If you live to be a hundred years old, Andy, which is like 70 plus years, almost 80 years you got left. Will you ever see Rutgers win the big 10 East? 80, 80 years, 80 years. That's a long time. No, no, don't hold your breath. All right. No, won't happen. <laughs> won't happen. So I'm giving you a little truth there. Uh, on top of your own. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's my truth. Uh, we are in a different era where we're shutting down football programs for two weeks because somebody's tested positive for a virus that has wreaked havoc on people ages 70 and over and caused worldwide panic. I get it. What I don't get is why we ignore the data about how young people have persevered through this virus and how we don't put that together with the fact that, like all viruses, the thing you're aiming for is herd immunity, which means that if the healthiest people get it and deal with it and then become immune to it, you establish antibodies throughout the society where the initial impact of said virus will not be going forward nearly as debilitating. We have college football players who are by definition healthy and not at risk, like people who were immunocompromised, obese, diabetic, blah, 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 blah. We got to play through this, in my opinion. If we want to have college football. Now, if you don't want to have college football, then right now would be a good time to just say, you know what? The risk is not worth it. The risk that one person may die of it is not worth it. I'm not saying that a person dying is worth it because no person dying is worth having a college football season. That is self-evident or should be. 
But I'm saying the risk is infinitesimally small that someone would die from this. And if that is a risk, if, if that is a risk you are willing to run, then the leaders in college football, conference commissioners, athletic directors, fellas, ladies, it's time to step up and earn your money. Don't keep these young people and fans and sponsors on puppet strings. Well, today it looks like we're going to play, but uh, no, we got this money test here. You're either going to have to play through this and resolve that you're going to play through it, and we're pushing ahead, we're going forward, or we're not. We pay these people to lead, not to react. We pay them to lead. So lead. You decide whatever you want. I can be fine covering it. I can be fine not covering it. But make a decision, will you? Like, this is stupid to, like, operate under this presumption that, well, we can do walkthroughs and we can test and we can have them and, and maybe nobody will get it. That's foolhardy. They've already told us this thing is more contagious than the regular flu. So if you put people together and they're sweating on each other and they're hitting each other, they're going to get it. So you either got to make up your mind, why is somebody afraid to step up and lead on this and say, yeah, we're going. The data says infinitesimally small risk. It's a risk we're willing to run. We don't want to have to radically remake athletic departments because Barry Alvarez talked about Wisconsin losing somewhere between 50 and $100 million. Okay, I don't, nobody, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sacrifice a life for that amount of money. But if you don't think somebody's going to die because the numbers tell you nobody's going to die, then step up and say, we're going. And then proceed from certainty. Don't proceed from, eh, you know, how do the tests look today? That's no way to live. You can't live that way. That's my you can't handle the truth moment. Oh, uh, yeah. I, so not a fan of waiting in the dark while these leaders... We, we need a decision. Um, I do want to say we've got a couple questions okay. in the chat. Respond to real quick here from AYS Sports. Sorry, we're just now getting to them. I uh, missed you earlier. It's all right. Uh, in reference to asking, uh, we, we were talking about Rutgers a minute ago mm-hmm. um, and their haul with Ohio State, Penn State, et cetera, Michigan <laughs> State, Michigan. He says, is that a tougher haul than an SAC West with Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and A&M? So theoretically... If you had to take Rutgers or a team like Rutgers in the lower end of the SEC West, mm-hmm. who has that the tougher gauntlet to run through? Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and a- Texas A&M. And Texas A&M. Well, here's what I would say to that. I don't think we have to go back five years. I don't think we have to go back ten years, do we, to find out when Mississippi? Now you can say, oh, yeah, they were cheating, Bruce. But they were up there. Mississippi beat Alabama. They did. Did Mississippi State get the number one in the country with Zach, with uh, Dak Prescott at quarterback? They did. So, I mean, in the SEC, I think it's proven teams on the bottom can move to the top. Teams on the top can move to the bottom. Auburn wins a national championship. Boom. Or Auburn. They did win a national championship with Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik. Gene and was Chizik. it two years later? Goodbye. Right? Out of there. So, I mean... In the SEC, it's proven the the bottom teams can and have risen to the top. That does not happen in the Big Ten. Indiana's not winning its division in the Big Ten. No. 
Rutgers not winning this division. Maryland, if they got the right guy, maybe Maryland could. But no, I just think Rutgers in that spot because it's it's not so much because I'm saying Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, and uh, Michigan. <laughs> no worthy, I almost left out Michigan are a better foursome than the elite teams in the SEC West. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Mississippi, Mississippi State, on the bo- and Arkansas even, on the bottom of that conference, are much better schools athletically than Rutgers. Yes, I 100% agree with all what you just said. I think the bottom teams of the SEC have the ability to rise up just because of that Southern recruiting base. Mm-hmm. You get a few guys, the big powers missed on. Um, someone leads you to, you know, you get a Cam Newton in at Auburn. You get just, the South is so lush with talent. Yep. And when you're looking at the Midwest, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, even Wisconsin, you throw all these teams in. Ohio State, Penn State are going to get their pick of the litter pretty much in the Midwest um, as far as talent goes. And then the the players they miss in Michigan, Wisconsin and Michigan State is known for getting kind of those diamond in the rough players, those three stars mm-hmm. that are actually fours and fives if you develop them right. Yep. Um, and then what's the rest of the conference got? Um, like we said, Rutgers would have New Jersey if they didn't. You know, if everyone didn't just go into New Jersey and take all the good New Jersey players. And that's been happening for years. Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez did one of the greatest coaching jobs in the modern history of the Big Ten by pillaging Wisconsin, by pillaging New Jersey talent for Wisconsin. So, uh, Rutgers, look, you can go all the way back at Mississippi to Archie Manning. You can go back in in the old black and white film, you know, 1955 Cotton Bowl. You'll find a... You know, you go back all the way in the archives at Rutgers. I know they started the sport there. I don't think they've gotten better since the first day. <laughs> I mean, they were supposedly the national champions that first year. Yeah, well, nobody it. else was playing, so shared it. <laughs> um, other question from AYS Sports: Is it a make or break year for Scott Frost at Nebraska, or will COVID save him? You know, I can't imagine they'd bail on him this soon. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think this is uh, COVID is. It's kind of a friend to unbattled uh, to embattled coaches. Uh, you don't have fans; your revenue is going to go down. When revenue goes down, you got less money. You got less money to pay people the balance of their contract when you can them. Scott Frost deserves more time at Nebraska. That was a mess when he got it. Yes, I think he'll do fine there. I sub- I submit, and I said this before he was hired. I don't think it's possible now to build Nebraska into what Nebraska was when Scott Frost played there. I just don't think it's possible. It would take it would take a really big push, and it would take multiple years. You're not going to turn that program around night and day. However, I think overnights, that's the expression I was looking for. However, I do think they could rise to a power in the Big Ten West certainly compete for Big Ten titles with Nebraska, with Wisconsin, excuse me. And Scott Frost, I think, is the right man for that job, honestly. I know he's gotten a lot of, they didn't play up to expectations last year, certainly. Top 25 team at the beginning of the season. I think people were just giving them, like, it takes time. Uh, when you look at the state that program was in when he got there, mm-hmm. um, 
it takes time to turn that thing around. Four and eight, very disappointing years, but um, you're starting to see a little better recruiting from them, starting to see a little better. They're, they're getting the culture back, and that's the first challenge when you get a job like this at a major power is establishing a winning culture again. And that's the challenge that Mel Tucker now faces at Michigan State, no too, is can you establish a culture? And if Scott Frost can do that, he's good moving forward. I think even without COVID this season, it would probably take two more bad years this year and another bad year to really put him on the hot seat uh, where he could be fired. I agree with that. I, I also think you want to be careful, Nebraska, when – there's so much of the right coach in college is a guy who fits and isn't always looking to get out or climb the ladder. Jim Tressel, Urban Meyer, neither guy was ever leaving Ohio State. They were Ohio natives. They had that emotional tie. Jim Harbaugh, I don't believe the people who say, well, he's going to the NFL. Well, now his success is not such the NFL's calling. Jim Harbaugh fits Michigan. Mark D'Antonio fit Michigan State. He'd been a longtime assistant at Michigan State. Mel Tucker fits him the same way. Paul Christ fits Wisconsin. Came up through the ranks. Assistant coach at Wisconsin. He's not leaving Wisconsin, you know, for another job. He's just not. So when you have a Scott Frost, a Nebraska legend, a guy who gets it, understands the black shirts, understands big red, don't go out and get the hot guy. Because I, I don't believe P.J. Fleck is long-term for Minnesota. That's the problem with P.J. Fleck building Minnesota into a great program, which I don't know if he has quite yet, but he had a really promising year last year. But are you telling me in two years, if Notre Dame decides they want P.J. Fleck after Brian Kelly retires, that P.J. Fleck's going to say, no, 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 I'm really happy rowing my little boat here in Minneapolis. He's gone. I think so, too. Now, I will say, I think Ryan Day is more long-term at Ohio State than people think. How long? I'd say... Let's just put it, Urban Meyer had seven years. Does Ryan Day coach seven years at Ohio State? Assuming, you know, something extraordinary doesn't happen, either this guy who's looked like an offensive genius with incredible recruiting abilities for his first two season and a half here um, and the time he was an offensive coordinator, assuming that the guy who has all the qualities you want in a head coach doesn't flop and also, of course, that his health doesn't, something bad doesn't help him got happened to him, God forbid. I think he'll be here for at least a decade. Well, now, I could see that because he's a young man. He's a young man. Here's what, here's the thing. I was, I keep talking about my time at Lantern today. Um, one of my, something I that really struck me about him is that he's incredibly family-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say, like football values, family-oriented, blah, blah, blah. But he implemented it into his program right and he's makes a point to recruit players families and he um, has a lot of family functions more so than even urban did mm-hmm. um, involved in the, his recruiting trips and in his kind of team outlook when asked about why Ohio State will be a permanent more permanent location for him because he had a lot of NFL speculation last year people no when that Redskins job came up people pegged him to it a little bit. He said that he's tired of moving his family around, that he doesn't want his wife to have to go make new friends someplace. He's got a couple young kids who are, you know, I, I think in like that six to ten year old range yep. where you're really forming. And that he doesn't want to have to them have them go to new schools and make new friends. And so he's he said he was tired of moving his family around when asked why 
this is his permanent job because he had been saying, I want to be here for 20 years. And um, so I, I think because it's not just him saying, oh, Ohio State has this great tradition and the, all the obvious things, but it's more family for him and personal reasons. That's why I think prohibiting a, a downfall He'll be here for at least a decade at Ohio State. I don't know if I'd say a decade, but you make some great points. I think you hit on exactly why. The family thing is huge to him. What is not huge to him? Anytime Ryan Day talks about, oh, growing up I watched the Ohio State-Michigan game and I was a big Ohio State fan, that's all garbage. Okay, It's all malarkey. Not true. But when he talks about the family stuff, that's real. And they are more of a family now than they were under Urban. And I, I was, like, struck last year. We were talking to one of the players, and he mentioned, you know, now it's a brotherhood. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I all heard the brotherhood all the time when Urban was here. Yeah, but that was just something we said. You know, now it's really a brotherhood. So I do believe the family aspect is real. Here's the, here are the wild cards. Number one, you look at a picture of John Cooper when he was hired and when he left. Look at a picture of Jim Trestle when he was hired and when he left. Look at a picture of Urban Meyer when he was hired and when he left. This job ages people like the presidency. It just does. <laughs> any any high-level college And you know why? Like because you can't lose. How yeah. many times has Ryan Day talked about, well, you know, the expectations here, you can't lose. Even after the Clemson game, there were people going, oh, he screwed it up. I mean, the man lost one game, and the people were on his back, some of the nuts, about him losing that game to a great team, by the way, the defending national champions. So I think the pressure to win every week can really age you. That's one factor. Because in the NFL, hey, you can lose six times a year. You're in the playoffs. Right? Right. No, 10 and 6 usually is a 10 and 6, you're in. 11 and 5, you're always in. So that's one wild card. The other wild card is, you know, the always proverbial, I'll answer your question with a question. So I'll answer your question, how long will Ryan Day be at Ohio State? With the question, how long will Bill Belichick be with the New England Patriots? Mm. My presumption is that's his dream NFL job. That, that I, I think you're, you're right there. I know that Ryan Day and Matt Rule are really good friends. And Matt Rule had many opportunities to coach in the NFL, New York Giants, Cleveland Browns, on and on and on and on. He was looking for specific things in specific places. And when he got it, he left Baylor, and he's at the Carolina Panthers. I think Ryan Day, the one thing, I, if you ask me to give one word to describe Ryan Day, the word I would use, smart. Ryan Day is really smart in a calculating way. I think this guy has a career plan that was like this wide when he was coming up. And then he, as, as he got certain jobs, the career path kind of funneled down. And when he's with the San Francisco 49ers and he's the passing game guy, the quarterback coach, I think he thought, all right, now, you know, there's certain jobs now that I would have taken. Now I don't take them. Here, where's my career path now? And Ohio State was in that career path. And now I think the canal for him to leave is very narrow. But I think the New England Patriots, because he's from New England, because it's pure football, because they have great tradition, they have proven ownership, all those things, because he's tight with Urban, because Urban's tight with Belichick, because Belichick's tight with Kraft, I think if Bill Belichick left the Patriots in three years, Ohio State fans better prepare for the possibility that Ryan Day would leave. That I would say that is the one job yep. that could come calling to him. Any year. He's from New Hampshire, played New Hampshire, 
when he was in college. Um, that would all make sense, frankly. And you mentioned the ownership. That Could you ask? There isn't many owners in sports you could ask for better than Bob Kraft uh, to work with. Track record's a track record. And he's, you know, he lets Belichick do his thing. Yep. Doesn't get his hands dirty, which is the mistake a lot of owners make. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if there were one job you could say that could pull him away from Ohio State, it might be that one. Top of the hour, Big 12 show in defense of the Big 12 here on the Chris Landry Football Channel. Anything more on the chat? Uh, no. All Thank right. you, AYS Sports, for Thank the questions. Thank you for the questions. You can always submit your questions. And remember, LandryFootball.com is your landing spot for the Landry Football Network. Uh, listen to what we have for you on the Landry Football Network. A conference show for every major college league, recruiting show, a college and pro football film room show, two different fantasy football shows, a nightly NFL talk show, and more coming. So join us round the clock at Chris Landry Football's Twitch channel and bookmark the site LandryFootball.com. That'll do it for uh, Andy and I. We will be back on Thursday, 10 a.m., Hopefully nobody else is quarantined by then. Hopefully we get some good news for Good once. news from the Big Ten would be good. That'll do it for us. Enjoy In Defense of the Big 12, top of the hour, on the Twitch channel labeled Chris Landry Football. Have a good one, everybody. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.